speak again today, but I don't appreciate the circumstances that's caused it. Your pastor's home very, very sick. I uh, started with the flu, came down with the flu on Friday, and uh, Pastor Dustin told me this morning it's now gone into pneumonia. So he's home and he's very, very sick. Uh, Pastor Dustin contacted me Friday and told me that uh, Pastor Malcolm was very sick with the flu and, and asked me if I would preach today. And the first thought I had was I had the privilege of, of having a conference with him and Dustin this week, and he hugged my neck twice. <laughs> and the first thought in my mind was, oh, no, oh, no. Yeah, would you join me now? Let's pray for Pastor, okay? Lord, thank you for Pastor Malcolm, how we love him. And Lord, what a, what a man of God. What a man of God he is. And Lord, your anointing and your power and your presence is on his life. It's on his leadership. Lord, it's on this church because you have sent a man that you looked and you sought and you found and you brought them right here to Coleman, Alabama to Temple Baptist Church, and Brother Malcolm is that man, and I thank you for him. We ask you now in the name of Jesus that you'll bring complete and total healing to his body. We pray that the pneumonia will cause no complications and no problems. We pray that, Lord, as, as any discomfort, everything he's going through, I just pray you'll touch him. I pray you'll heal him, make him well. And God, as you do these things, we promise we'll give you the praise the honor and the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, while you're still standing, take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 6. The book of Luke, chapter 6. One of the things that I have done all of these years as a pastor is I have... How many of you have ever uh, talked about somebody and you said they are a person of principle? They live by principles. You know, the Bible teaches us principles to live by. Are you aware of that? And a principle ought to be something that we bury deep in our hearts, that it becomes a conviction in our life. It becomes something that every day we're going to live that way, we're going to do that way, uh, not because somebody said we, we ought to, and, and probably somebody did like I'm going to do today, but the fact that that is now a part of my spiritual DNA. I can't help but be that way. It's like the characteristics of God. For God so loved the world. He's a loving God. He's a giving God. That's part of his sovereign characteristics. Amen. And principles in the Bible should become part of our spiritual DNA. Now with that in mind, I want you to look at Luke chapter 6. Verse number 38, that is not, this will not be by any stretch of the imagination a, a first time for most of you to see this scripture. But what I'm going to pull out of it is a principle and then I'm going to take you through the, all through the Bible and if we had hours, I could do it for hours. But I'm going to show you the principle and then I pray to God that you will today say, Lord Jesus, make this part of my spiritual DNA. Amen? Look at verse number 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Now listen to me. That is a promise from Almighty God. Did you hear me? Look over at somebody and say, that's a promise. Give, and it might be given unto you. 
Give and you may get lucky. Give and it shall be given unto you. Now, now that's just a truth. That's a promise. Hang it up, put it in your closet, put it on the, the, the front of your refrigerator. That's a promise from Almighty God. But now we're going to find the principle. He said, it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Now, I, I never read that that I don't remember as a little boy. And some of you have got to be old like me. I'm 67. But how many of you remember, I grew up on a farm. How many of you remember going to the mill with a few bells of hay and a truckload of corn and they'd, they'd grind it up and make the feed for the cows and the horses? How many of you remember that? Okay, remember how when he'd catch that feed coming out into the bag, he'd dump so much, then he'd unhook it, and what would he do with the bag? Shake the bag. When he shook the bag, it would all go down. He'd hook it back up and what? Fill it again. You know what God said? God said, I want you to know that I'm the God that can fill your bag so full you can't even carry it. Now, you ready? Here's the principle. Here's the principle. Now, I know you're saying, well, I've heard this, uh, this text before. But hang on, here it comes. Then he says, I don't even have time to give you this. Shall man give into your bosom? I wasn't fed by the ravens this week, were you? Elijah was, but I wasn't. But let me tell you, I was fed by $100 bills that I paid at Walmart to get groceries. <laughs> but I want you to know, God used men. And that's how he did it for you, right? Amen? Amen? I don't even have time to go there, but hang on. It, this thing is so full. Now watch it right here. Here's the principle. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. With the same measure, exactly how you give is exactly how it will be given back to you. Hence, that's why the message today is entitled, Choose Your Measurement. You see, you determine the size of your return. You determine, now I'm going to let you sit down in just a second. You determine the size of your return. But before you sit down, look over at somebody and say, I determine the size of my return. Look over and tell somebody. Now, after you've told somebody, you can be seated, okay? Now, if you don't tell anybody, you've got to stand up through the whole service, just like me. You got it? Now, understand, it is my standard. Now, guys, I'm, I'm going to tell you honestly, it, you, I almost feel like I'm, 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 I'm lying. But it's the truth. It is my standard, not God's, that determines my return in life in every area. Now, God, I believe in God. I believe in the sovereignty of God from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. But according to this principle, God has said that it's my standard, not God's, that determines my return in life. With the same measure, the scripture says. Now, I, I want you to understand, here's a principle, a truth that'll set us free, guys. I want you to get three words, okay? Here they are. The word source, the word sacrifice, and the word size, okay? I, they, they probably are in your notes. The word source, 
the word sacrifice and the word size. Now, the source is who we receive from, okay? Sacrifice is how much I'm willing to commit to that source with the same measure. Are you getting it? With the same measure, okay? And that determines the size of my return. You see, the size of my return is all dependent upon what sacrifice I am willing to make toward the source. Are you with me? Now, listen to me closely. Norman, I'm not teaching you something Norman Vincent Peale said. I'm not telling you something that Robert Schuller said. I'm telling you that the Lord Jesus said, with the same measure I give, that is the measure I receive. You and I determine the amount of our return in life. I run into people all the time, they're frustrated. They believe that they're victims in life. And they never realize to a great extent that they are receiving today how they lived yesterday. Now hang with me. I heard a story years ago, a true story. Family had attended a church for the first time and the offering was passed and the little boy was watching to see what his daddy would do and his daddy put a quarter in the offering plate. When the service was over, they got in the car and they were going home and the dad was complaining. He didn't like the music and the mama didn't like the the, the preaching, and, and it, they went on and on and on on the way home, and the little boy finally spoke up, and he said, Mom, Dad. He said, What, son? He said, I thought it was pretty good for a quarter. <laughs> You'll get it. You'll get it. You'll get it. Now, let's study the principle, and I, I, wish, I wish we had a setting today where we could have hours to talk about any subject you want to talk about. I mean, I can, I can tell you, we, we can talk about marriage, we can talk about your job, we can talk about any subject, and this principle literally applies to it. Now, for the sake of in your notes, I gave one that's real easy when we talk about friendship. Okay, in, in the area of friendship, Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loveth at all times. And then he said in Proverbs 18, 24, a man that hath friends must show himself what? must show himself friendly. Now, now here, here's the thing. If somebody here wants to be my friend, what, what, what's your name, brother? John. John. Okay. If John wants to be my friend, do you know I determine what kind of friendship we have? If I only say hi to John every time I come to church, what kind of friendship do we have? It's very shallow. Now, I'd say John's my friend, but it's very shallow. But you know, if I get involved in John's life, if I get intimate with John and sharing my walk with God and his walk with God and, and we go through some trials together, you know what? All of a sudden now, I have a friendship that's incredible. You see, the size of my friendship and our friendship is all determined by what I'm willing to give to it. Now, how many of you married? I'm always careful about this. I said one time, preaching, I said, how many of you married your your high school sweetheart in one of the ladies of the church that I did the first time. <laughs> but those of us who had the privilege of marrying our high school sweetheart 
or our college sweetheart, we understood something that a lot of people don't understand in life. That you can have a date without money. Am I right? Now, you know, if, if I want my marriage to be really what it ought to be, you know what, I, I have to invest in my marriage. You say, well, we can't afford to go out and eat. Listen, sweetheart, I, I know this is true in Coleman because I have seen it. There's a place, if you, if you go out here on the road, turn right, go up about two miles, there's, a, there's an establishment up there called McDonald's. <laughs> and they're selling Happy Meals. And you can split a happy meal. You won't be fully happy, but you'll be half happy. (laughs) What I'm I'm trying to tell you, bud, is you can take her out. I remember when Katie and I dated in college. You know what a date was? A happy meal split and walking through the mall holding hands. How many of you remember that? Rubbing her fingers Hoping that we'd get a little sugar before the night was over. How many, yeah, come on, you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> you see, you get out of it what you put into it. The source is my marriage. The sacrifice is what I put into it. And the size is what I get out. And I get out according to what I put into it. Let me talk about your job for a moment. Do you see how we could go all night or all day about this? <clears throat> how many of you have ever heard somebody say, I'll tell you what, I'm mad. I've been with them 20 years and they passed me over and they gave that job to a boy that's only been there five years. Well, sweetheart, listen to me a moment. It doesn't matter how many years you've been there. What matters is what have you invested in the company? Are you listening to me? The source, I want to be at the head of the company. That's the source. Now, how do I get to the head of the company? I start making the sacrifices. Isn't that right? I don't show up five minutes late every day. I show up 30 minutes early. And I'm not the guy that runs over everybody when the whistle blows. I'm the guy that stays 30 minutes afterwards to clean up after everybody left early. You see, you make the sacrifice, and what does it do? It determines the size. Isn't that right? You know, we want to raise kids. Well, okay, the source is raise my kids. Then what do I do? I have to make the sacrifice and put some time into them, some energy into them, some teaching into them. Are you with me? That determines the size of it. Now, are we getting it? Are we getting it? Do you see how I could go anywhere today? But that's the principle. The source, the sacrifice, it determines the size. Now, I want to go into what I feel like the Lord would have me to do. So you hang with me. Point number two, the area of giving. Now, I know some of you said, man, the last time I heard you, that's what you talked about. Is that all you ever talk about? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I feel like I'm in good company. Jesus talked about that more than anything else. But can I just say something to you before I get into this for a moment? The number one cause of divorce today is finances. The number one cause of problem after problem in the church, in the lives of God's people, is not knowing how to handle finances. Somebody say amen right there. And you know what? So many preachers talk about it one time a year. One time a year is not enough. 
So I'm going to teach you something with this principle. You got it? If you got it, look over at somebody and say, I've got that principle. I'm ready to learn. Look over and say, I've got it and I'm ready to learn. Look over and tell them, I've got it, I'm ready to learn. Look over. Okay? All right. Now, she just told you. I saw that. Did he tell you? Okay, come on, tell her. I got it. I'm ready to learn. Okay, all right. <laughs> Do you guys not realize as you sit there looking at us, we can stand here and look at you? Do you know if I pick my nose, you see it? And when you pick yours, I see it? Are we okay? <laughs> Are we okay? Listen, your pastor will be back, Lord willing, next week. And just know, he can see you. <laughs> well, let's talk about it for a moment. Here we go. And I, I, I want you to see in the area of giving. The Bible talks about sowing and reaping, okay? We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, 7, and 8. Now, we're going to back into it, okay? So I'm going to read you verse number 8 first, okay? The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 8. The Bible said, and God is able to make all, boy, I love that word, all grace abound, circle it, unto you that ye always having, what's the next word? All sufficiency, and what's the next word? In all things may what? Abound to what? Woo! How many of you want that? Raise both hands. Be Pentecostal for a moment. Amen? Do you want that? Well, the, 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 now, now we went to the back. Now we're moving up. Now look at verse 6 and 7. He tells us how we get it. He said, but this I say, he would sow us sparingly, shall reap also sparingly, and he would sow bountifully, shall reap also bountifully, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God, what? Loves a cheerful giver. Now, now look at what he says right here. He said we can sow sparingly or we can sow bountifully. And then he said every man according as he, what? Purposeth. Listen to me. You determine... Not God. You determine. Listen, God in heaven said, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. But you've got roadblocks. You've got a wall built. Take it down. You determine. You determine whether it's sparingly. You determine whether it's bountifully. So here, well, here's the principle. Here's the formula. The source is God. Amen? The sacrifice is whether I sow sparingly or bountifully. Amen? Amen? And that determines what? The size. Now, I'm a farm boy. I grew up on a farm. I hated it, but I grew up on a farm. I grew up on a farm. My daddy used to say to me, son, you want me to whip you before we get to the field or wait till we get there? He knew it'd take at least one whipping to get me working. Now, I know what it is growing up on a farm that, that in the spring, we sow the crop. And in the fall, we reap the crop. Amen? Now, can you imagine a farmer goes to a prayer meeting and he said, uh, uh, would you pray with me about my crops this fall? And so the church all begins to pray with him. And then somebody in the church said, hey, John, what did, what did you sow this spring? He said, well, I didn't sow anything. <laughs> but I'm praying for a, a, a bumper crop. You know what we'd think? John, you've lost it, bud. 
you've lost your marbles. Isn't that right? I mean, the farmer understands that the source is the ground and the source is the seed, but the sacrifice is to plant it, and that determines the size of the return. Amen? Okay, you're getting it, aren't you? This is another true story. I love to tell stories. A pastor one day had a guy in the church, and every church has one. You probably don't have one, but where I had the privilege of being a pastor for years, we had one or two. And Francis, you're up there, and it wasn't you, I promise you. I wish I had a church full like her and her husband. But the guy was looking around a little nosy, you know, he was opening doors in the church and going around, and he happened to open the janitor's closet. And there was five brand new brooms in the janitor's closet. He closed the door, went into the secretary, and said, I need to speak to the pastor. And he, and, and he and went, and, and the secretary got him with the pastor, and he went in the office, and he said, Pastor, I'm troubled. He said, what are you troubled about? He said, I'm troubled about how we misuse money around here. He said, what do you mean, misused money? He said, I, I opened the janitor's closet, and there was five brand new brooms. And pastor, no church needs five new brooms. That's a waste of money. And then he just kept getting more irritated and irritated and irritated. And the pastor, pastor didn't buy the brooms. And he said, will you give me a minute? And he called the treasurer of the church. And he said, brother so-and-so came by, and he saw these five brooms. And, and he, man, he's irate. He said, why did we buy five brooms? And the treasurer started laughing. And the pastor said, don't laugh. This guy's ready to fight. He's irate. And he said, why are you laughing? He said, pastor, think about it for a moment. How would you feel if the amount of money that you'd given over the last 12 months to our church had all been spent on five brooms? You scare me when you're slow. (laughs) How many of you have got it now? If you got it, wave at me. You see, (laughs) you say, well, I I don't know if I like that kind of preaching. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like it at all. But it's still true. Let me give you the third one. And and I've got to watch my time. It's going to run out on me here. But the area of need, the area of need. Every one of us have needs in life. Somebody say amen right there. Do you have needs? Now, do you notice how this principle works? How many of you are beginning to see how this principle works? You know, I didn't just take one verse of the Bible, one little section of the Bible, and that's all we talk about. I'm I'm taking you other places in the Bible to show you this is a principle you can apply in your life, okay? And how you give, how you live, everything, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your job, Raising your kids, your, I mean, you can apply this principle to every area of your life. But I want to apply it to the area of need because all of us from time to time have needs, okay? Turn, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. And I think probably uh, Brother Dustin has been so kind to put that on the big screen for you. And, uh, but I'm going to read it as we go. 2 Kings chapter 4. And I want you to see this. This is the widow's pot of oil, okay? And I'll give you a commentary as we go over it. Are you with me? 
You can watch it on the screen or you got your Bible. Now there <clears throat> cried a certain woman of the wives. I, I can just stop. There what? Cried. Do you know what that word literally means? This, this gal's in such anguish. You ever been around somebody in such anguish? You just reach over and hug them and say, honey, how can I help you? What can I do? I mean, she is beside herself. She is, she is at the end of her rope, and what she's hanging on right now is her faith in God and her faith in the man of God. Okay? And she cried. There was a certain woman of the wives. She cried a certain woman of the wives of the, uh, woman of the, wives of the sons of the prophet unto Elijah. Now, let me just stop and tell you. Elijah had a Bible college. That's literally what it was. He trained young men to be prophets. And this is the wife of one of the young men who was studying to be a prophet. And he dies. Now, they didn't have bankruptcy back then. If you had a debt and you died and couldn't pay that debt and you had children, the children became slaves and worked off your debt. You with me? So here's this mom. We, we, we know he's not been dead long because the creditor's now asking for his money. And she goes to the prophet of God. Do you see how, how she's in anguish? I mean, she's still mourning over the loss of her husband, and, and now she's going to lose her two sons because of the debt. Now watch this thing right here. And she said, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And then she reminds the prophet, Thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. She said, You, you know what kind of man of God he was. You know what kind of man of God he was. And then she says, And the creditor has come to take unto him my two sons to be bondsmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? And before she can say, I mean, she's already told him, Here's my problem. And he says, Tell me, what hast thou in thy house? Now, this is how I respond to the Lord all the time. You do too. Just get honest, okay? And she, and she said, Thy handmaid hath not anything in thy house, save a pot of oil. That little old significant pot of oil. Now, when we think about a pot of oil, the best way to explain that is how many of you know you've got in the cabinet a little bitty pot of oil? Just, that's what she had. That's what she had. She didn't have a quart jar of cooking oil. She had a little pot of oil. That, that's all she had. Now, follow this with me. Then the prophet said to her, I'm in verse 3, go borrow the vessels abroad. Now, that word literally means go everywhere. Go in the city, go in the county, go around, go to everywhere. Of all thy neighbors, I mean go everywhere. Don't miss a one of them. Get to every neighbor. Stop at every house. And what does he say? He said, now go borrow what vessels. I mean, go borrow them. Say, hey, you got a tub? You got a tub? You got a wash tub? You got a? You, you got some quart jars? I mean, I'm, I'm every vessel. Give whatever you got. I can put step something in and borrow them. Now watch what the prophet says. He said, "You go to your neighbors and you borrow from them every empty vessel." And then he says, "Borrow." What's the next three words? Not a few. You know what he said? He said, "Borrow every one you can get. Borrow every one you can get." Are you with me? I mean, ask for everyone. They, they give you five, then ask if you got another one. Do you have any more? And when they say, I promise you, I don't have any more, then go to the next neighbor and get everyone you can get. Now, hang with me. Here's the story. 
And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels. Now, get the picture. You got some wash tubs here. You've got some court jars here. But watch the picture. Get it in your mind. And shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. What she poured? That little thing of oil she poured. And that thing just keeps going. Sort of like you ever been up to Gatlinburg, Ripley's, believe it or not? You say, are you kin to him? If I was, I'd be rich. <laughs> but I'm not. You ever seen out there, they've got that fountain running with water, and you say, where's it coming from? said, pour, just keep pouring. And I mean, watch, watch the story now, watch the story. And, and don't stop until it's full. Then it's full, set it aside, get another one. And she went from him and shut the door upon her, her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more and the oil what? It didn't stop until the last vessel was was full. Now, watch this. Watch verse 7. Then she came and told the man of God what had happened. He knew what was going to happen. And look what he said. He said, go, sell the oil, and pay the debt. Amen? And boys are going to stay home with you and take care of you. You're a widow woman. And God has said that the way we take care of widows and orphans determines what he does with us. Now watch it here. And live thou and thy children of the rest. You say, what was her income? It was totally determined by her willingness to go get vessels. So watch it now. Here it is again. The source is God ultimately, but it's the neighbors that have the vessels. Isn't that right? Now, the sacrifice is going and borrowing them, borrowing those vessels. Now, think about this for a moment. How many of us would like to go to somebody and borrow a vessel like that and her shoes, put them on, put her shoes on, and when they're getting these vessels for you, what's the normal human response? What do you need them for? Then she has to say, you know, my husband died and we had a debt that I cannot pay. And the creditor is going to take my boys as slaves. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't care who you are. I don't care what side of the tracks you came from. That would be hard for anyone to do. Say amen right there. So what did God do? God told her right up front, don't borrow just a few. You see, here's what I would do. I would go to two or three neighbors that I really liked and really liked me, and I knew I could tell them my problem, and they'd never tell anybody about it. And so I would come back with two or three vessels. That's all I would have. And God would pour them full, but I couldn't even pay the creditor. I certainly couldn't live off of the rest. And God said to her, go and get them. Don't limit God. Don't stop short. Borrow not a few. And so she goes. They they borrow the vessels. They get them. They bring them. And she begins to pour. And it fills them all up. And he said to the prophet, said, now take, sell them, pay your debt, and then live off of the rest. I don't know how high on the hog she lived. But she determined how high on the hog. She would live. Are you with me? 
You know, we are blaming God over and over again for only doing what he said he would do and never taking the responsibility that the reason I'm right here on the hog and stood up here on the hog. Some of you don't even know what living high on the hog is all about, do you? That's, a pro- that's the biggest problem of a 67-year-old preaching to 20-year-olds. But I do have a couple of country boys here in the front. They're shaking their head. They, yeah, I know. But you determine how high on the hog you live. See, we're mad at God because we're not up here on the hog. And God said the reason you're not up here on the hog is because you're down here and what you've been willing to give to it. Are you with me? Well, let me give you another one. I'm watching the time. Let me, let me give you another one. Oh, we could go on and on and on. But I, I want to I give you, well, let, me, let me tell you a story before I give you another one. It, this so emphasizes. But again, it tells my age. How many of you remember before we had uh, running water in the house? I, I'm, I'm telling you, listen, I was six years old before we got inside plumbing. I was six years old. I, I know what the outhouse is. Okay? And when I was a kid growing up, we never ordered anything out of a Sears and Roebuck catalog. But we used them every, up, every one of them. You'll, you'll, you'll get it in a minute. Some of you older guys, I've looked one right up here. Hey, see that young guy over to your left? Tell him what we did with that Sears and Roebuck catalog, okay? <laughs> Rub it and make it (laughs) soften that baby up a little bit. I'm sorry, Pastor Malcolm, if you're watching today, you'll never invite me back again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But my grandma and grandfather had a a cistern. We had to pump on the cistern. How many of you remember that? And you'd, you'd take and... You get over there on that old pump. You just pump, pump, pump. It wouldn't do anything, would it? Talk to me now. Wouldn't do a thing. You just pump, pump, pump. How many of you remember though? Right beside the pump was a big old quart jar that always had water in it. You know what I'm talking about? What would you do? You'd prime the pump. You'd pour that water in, and you'd start pumping. And all of a sudden, that cork on that old pump would swell with that water. And then all of a sudden, you'd what? You'd start what? You'd feel it coming. Whoa, whoa, I'm not pumping air now. Whoa. Oh, hey, water started. You had to put in before you could what? Get it out. Are you with me? And do you know what? Every time you wanted to get water from that pump, what did you have to do? You had to prime it. Now, who determined whether or not you got water out of the pump? You did. You did. Well, let me give you another one right quick. Look in 1 Kings, just go back to the left. In 1 Kings chapter 17, the story here of the widow of Zarephath. Oh, this is phenomenal, phenomenal. Now, you know the drought has come and the prophet has, uh, has told them that there's going to be at least a three-year drought here that's going to take place. And we're in chapter 17, picking it up in verse number 8, he's been down at the brook and the ravens fed him there and and now God tells him to go to, to, to a widow in Zarephath. And so that's where we are. So let's pick it up. And I'll give you the commentary as we read it. Do you like it when I give you the commentary as we read it? I, I like it that way. Okay, here we go. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, 
which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Now let me just stop and give you a little bit of background here. Zarephath is about 90 to 100 miles away from where Elijah was. Okay? But he's going across an open land. Who's looking for him? To kill him? The king. He is now coming out of hiding, out of cover, and is going to be so open for somebody to see him and him get killed. But what's the guy doing? He is obeying Almighty God. Are you with me? Amen. Say it with me. He is obeying Almighty God. Here we go. And he said, dwell there, and behold, I have commanded. Would you circle that? I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, I'm going to read you a little bit more, but we see what he said, right? Now, I'm a Bible believer. How about you? I believe every word's important, so that word's important. Now, God had commanded her. Now, we're going to find when we read the text, she had no idea what was about to happen. You know, God has made a command in all of our lives of things he wants us to do that we don't even understand now, but when the time comes to obey, we'd better obey. Somebody say amen right there. All right, well, you got it. Did you get it? Look over at somebody and say, I got it. Okay, as long as you get it, we're, we're, we're doing good. So he arose, watch it now, and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman. Behold, well, that's a great word right there. I mean, there she is. Whew, just like God said. Okay. And she was gathering sticks. And he called unto her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in the vessel. Now, let me just stop right here. What was the most expensive commodity of the day? Water. Right? Have you ever read that and thought about that? The guy asked for the one thing that nobody had. And you know what? She didn't say, hey, we can't get water. She's going to go find him some water. You know why? The custom of the day was every stranger that came, you'd give him water. That was part of the custom. Can I just give you another principle here? You do what you're supposed to do. And in the obedience of doing what you're supposed to do, you see the real hand and miracles of God. Amen? Amen? I didn't feel like coming to church today, but I knew I was supposed to. And boy, was I blessed. I, I, didn't even, I, I didn't think we could afford to tithe, but we did. Whoo, were we blessed. I didn't want to forgive them. Matter of fact, I wanted to run over them. But I forgave them, and whoo, did it make, are, are you with me? Are you getting it? Okay, here we go. And he called unto her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called unto her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. Now here's when she stops and talks. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel. And a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Now I'm going to tell you right now, this is a dire moment in this woman's life. Amen? (laughs) Have you ever had a situation where somebody wanted to give you something and you knew they needed it more than you did? And you didn't want to take it? I mean, this is a terrible situation. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, 
and bring it unto me and make after 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 Make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of bills shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went, and here's the word, watch it now, and what? Did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her son did eat many days. They ate until the drought was over. That was somewhere between a year and maybe longer before the drought was over. I don't know about you, but wouldn't you have loved to have been sitting at that table? I mean, you look over, and there's that little bit of meal. There's that little bitty pot of oil. And they go in there and make it up, and, they, and Elijah gets five big cat head biscuits. That little boy gets three big cat head biscuits, and she's watching her wait. She only eats one. But they get them of a morning and noon and night. Amen? Amen. Because what? God is doing what he said he would do. See, the source is God. The sacrifice is to make for Elijah first. Do it first. And what was the size? Man, it lasted. It lasted. That's why we hear scriptures like this, Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 14 through 19. I'm, I'm not even going to go there because I, I want to close a little bit different. But I, I know you take some of these notes and you use them in your Bible studies during the week. But, but go to Philippians. Let me, let me just, can I just tell you what's there? One of the greatest missionaries who ever lived was the Apostle Paul. And the only church that supported him was the church at Philippi. And Paul writes back to them and says, man, this is incredible. Here I am, I have this great need. That's Paul, that's the source. And you have sacrificed, you communicated with me. And the word communicated wasn't emails. Okay? It wasn't Snapchat. It, the word, it goes on and explains it with the giving and receiving. That, in other words, they were giving to Paul. And Paul said, man, I, I, I'm not excited because I got a gift from you. I'm excited because you have invested in your account in heaven. And then he says this, and we'll hear it quoted all the time. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, verse 19 doesn't count unless you've had verse 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. Are you with me? Somebody say amen. So what is it? Here's Paul. When, she, when the church at Philippi cared for them, what did God say? God said, I will meet every need you have. Someone said it like this, we stand before the fireplace of life without putting in any wood and we complain because we receive no heat. We stand before the fireplace of life and we put no wood in the fireplace and we complain that we receive no heat. Now look at me and I'm done. I know all over this house Many areas of every life here, God touched with this principle. Some of you need to go home and start investing in your marriage. Amen? Amen? Amen. Did anybody get here in time to watch these guys on the, 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 the guitars before they started playing? Do you know what every one of them did? They tuned that baby. If you want to make good music, you're going to have to invest in it. 
You said, well, I'd love to have a good education. Then you know what? You've got to study. You've got to stay up while everybody else goes to sleep. You've got you to forfeit playing while everybody else is playing. You're home studying. Are you with me? Somebody said, I'd sure love to learn the Word of God. You want me to tell you why you learn the Word of God? The Bible says that the Spirit of God is the teacher of the book. Amen. You don't have to be 10 years in the Lord to learn the Word of God. I mean, you can grow as fast as you want to. Just get in the book. The more you get into it. My wife and I, we were, we were coming down. We were talking about the life of Joseph coming in today, driving down. The neat thing about driving down, we get to talk quite a bit. And we were talking about it. And I began to tell her some background of it. And I said to her, I said, do you know when I learned all of that? She said, no, when? I said, when I was playing Bible story tapes to our children back there 30 years ago. Every night I'd play them a 30-minute tape telling Bible stories. And they'd tell the Bible story with all the background without telling you this is the background. They'd just tell the story. And then I'd go back and research it to find out if they'd told the story right of the background. And I learned so much stuff it was scary. Are you with me? You want to learn? Invest in it. Invest it. You want to grow spiritually? Then invest in your life spiritually and you can grow. You say, man, I've got so many financial needs. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, the source is God. You do what God said. You determine how high on the hog you get to live. Now, I know some of you are sitting there saying, that sounds to me like that prosperity theology. Listen, if you think that's what I'm saying today, you don't know me at all. Amen. Let me tell you something, man. It's Jesus and Jesus only. But it, wasn't, it, it was Jesus that told me what the same measure I give is the measure I receive. Amen. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm living very high on the hog. And it's not just finances. Now, I normally have people say to me, your wife looks like your daughter. I've been in jail two or three times over that, hitting people. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <clears throat> but when I get this, I'm going to tell I didn't tell you, so I need to tell you. I had, a, I had a guy tell me the other day, man, you look good for your age. He'll be a friend for life. <laughs> that high on the hog is not just finances. That high on the hog is health. That high on the hog is a wonderful marriage. That high, are, are you with me? That high on the hog is the anointing of God. We were talking about yesterday. I preached a funeral yesterday. I, I tell you what, I got to crying in the funeral and the invitation. I'll say to people, you know, if you prayed that prayer with me, just raise your hand up and take it down quickly. And normally we'll have two, three people raise their hand. They prayed to receive Christ. And after five going up and down, I couldn't even keep up with how many of them got saved yesterday. And I got to crying, man. I, I, I mean, I, I'm supposed to be leading the funeral. I'm crying about all these people getting saved. And two of the pallbearers sitting right there in front of me, one of them big tears just running down his face, the other, and they both prayed and got saved. And I told Katie, I said, Katie, what excited me? It's just, I'm living high on a hog. God would use me. And to me, that's the highest spot on the hog I can live. Amen? That God would use me. I, I said, oh, God, thank you that you would use me. Oh, thank you that you would use me. See, all over this house, there's Christians here right now. That there's areas in your life that you need to start investing in. You need to start investing in. And, it, it, and if you will, the blessings will come. 
And there's some of you here today, you're unsaved. Let me tell you what you need to invest in. Give God your trash. Give God your failures. Give God your sins. Start right now today. Invest in God. All you've got is your mess. Give God your mess and he'll make his miracle. Give him your mess and he'll make his miracle. There's some of you here, you've been saved, but you're backslidden today. Let me tell you why you're backslidden. Can I tell you? Well, you got saved. It was real. It was genuine. You weren't playing games. You were serious. But you know what happened? You quit investing in your spiritual walk. And when you quit investing in your spiritual walk, what happened? The sides of the return. And then you get away from God and the fellowship with God. So you've got some investments to do today. Would you bow your head with me right now? Heads are bowed all over the audience. Eyes are closed. No one looking. No one will be embarrassed. But our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. How many of you right now with heads bowed and eyes closed would say, Preacher, if I died right now, I know I would go to heaven. Not because I'm good. Nobody goes because you're good. But I would go to heaven today because I know I'm saved. I know my sins are